I'm Alyssa. I'm Alyssa. And I am not Alyssa. Welcome to 52 Women, the podcast for the Montgomery County, Maryland chapter of the National Organization for Women. Um, we're going to have kind of a shorter podcast this week. Um, Donald's been traveling, so hasn't really been screwing up any of our rights for the for the week. And Congress is in recess, so there haven't been any shenanigans. Um, so we're going to talk about some chapter news, some local organizations, and then have a nice discussion around our Women of the Week. Uh, okay, so we have a happy hour coming up. It's on July 19th. And it's going to be at the Old Town Poorhouse in downtown Crown in Gaithersburg. Uh, we'll have a booth and a few tables taken over. So I hope everybody can come down and hang out with us. Um, it's always a fun time. We for sure chat about uh, feminism in Montgomery County and politics in general. But we also just talk and hang out and bond. And it's fun. Um, we're hoping to do happy hours once a month. So uh, if you can't come to this one, for sure you'll be able to come to another, but we'd love to see everybody out. We're going to begin collecting items for um, an organization that we've posted about a a bunch on social media. Um, It's called Support the Girls, and it was started by a woman here in Montgomery County to collect bras and tampons and pads for women and girls who are homeless. Um, and it's actually become a nationwide um, effort. Effort, yeah. They've, they've, and there's even a support the girls Australia. Yeah, there are four international yeah. locations. Yeah, um, but the ones that I think it was only started like two years ago or it's something. Amazing. Yeah. And she started for Montgomery County, and the things I think most of the stuff, as long as there's need in Montgomery County, stays in Montgomery County that you donate here. There are kind of outposts in other states and other countries. Um, so it's a great way to act locally to help women. Um, so it's, it's homeless women, women and girls who are being supported. Uh, a lot of them are victims of domestic violence and, um, I actually will post the link up, but I have the annual report on homelessness from 2016, um, Maryland in the state of Maryland, um, the, there's a human services article 6423 that requires that an annual report on homelessness is put together and given to the governor and the state assembly. Um, it's very detailed. It actually has lots of great charts and and breakdown if you aren't into reading the entire text of this of the um, of the collection of information. Um, but it also has lists of goals for the state possible action plans for how to get housing, emergency needs, um, things for veterans, things for children who are unaccompanied minors who are homeless. Um, They have a lot of great action plans. It also gives information on homelessness by region. Uh, We in Central Maryland, which includes Montgomery County, Howard, Baltimore, Anne Arundel, and Prince George's, have 71% of the total population of the state of Maryland. We have 74% of the total homeless um, Hmm. population. Um, And uh, Montgomery County specifically has very strict rules about um, people having shelter accessible if weather goes below a certain, or temperature goes below a certain point or above a certain point, all those sorts of things. So this is a more broad Maryland study and it shows Central Maryland altogether, Montgomery County 
tends to have some um, some pretty stringent rules about how we care for homeless people in the county. So wait, does that mean we ha- they they mandate that sh- that these shelters are in place for when we get bad weather around here? Right, or that we find housing for those people. So say all the shelters are full, it's a night where it's going down below a certain temperature, then it's mandatory that the county provide housing. So if it's a hotel, if it's mm. a gym, if it's whatever, but they have to they're, they have to make the effort. People obviously don't have to go. They can right. refuse the help, but it's it, they have the county has to um, provide it, which is something I love about. Living mm-hmm. in Montgomery County, knowing that. Um, another one of the statistics they have listed is that in the state of Maryland, um, in the years 2013 to 2015, 10% of the total homelessness number um, was people fleeing domestic violence. Um, obviously, people who report that they are, in fact, homeless and are willing to answer questions about it in a census-style questionnaire or, or um, interview is smaller than the actual number of homeless people. And also even smaller than that are people who are fleeing abuse because they don't want their abusers to be able to find them. They're afraid to give information. They're not trusting, obviously for a very good reason. And so um, that can affect the numbers, but we know that that's of the reported, it's um, 10%. So bringing it back to support the girls, um, you know, there are lots of women at different stages of life, um, and and even girls um, who are just barely hitting puberty, who need things like training bras, um, pads, tampons, women who may be pregnant or nursing who need nursing bras, um, and obviously women of all different shapes and sizes. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna be collecting. At every um, chapter meeting we have, we'll just have a big bin and we'll sort through it and, and do that stuff. So it'll just be a big bin you can drop everything into. Um, bras can be new or gently used. Uh, and then tampons and pads just have to be sealed. So the box doesn't have to be sealed, but the tampon or pad has to be the individual sealed. The individual product has to be sealed. Um, and the, the need is always there for tampons and pads, of course, because it's a monthly, it's a monthly thing that people need. Um, but also the the stages of life, uh, bras I think are hard for them to find. They were saying like the training bras and the and the um, nursing bras. And I I know as like a mom, my nursing bras aren't, you know, you, you only wear them for a certain amount of time for a kid. They're not your bra all the time, so they are pretty gently used and can be washed and and used again. Um, so if that's something that um, you could hand down, that's even um, even better. And I was just telling um, EB1 and Jenny Rose that I was at Target today. I went over to the sale rack. There were bras for under $10, some under $5. And it, I'm not searching for my specific size, so it doesn't matter which sizes I get. And they do have a need for bras that are bigger or smaller, that not as often, found sizes, I guess, in the, in the hand-me-down bras. Um, so it was a, I was in Target. You could spend an extra eight bucks, an extra five bucks, grab a bra off the um, sale rack and bring it with you to a meeting and donate. It would help a lot. Yeah, and I've been, um, been in the supermarket a lot lately, and I've noticed that 
the maxi pads, specifically the generic maxi pads, are like two dollars. <laughs> they're and they're big packages. So again, for for ten dollars, I've been picking up like a few packages and holding them for when we have our meetings. Yeah. Um. So you can do something, and it's not that it's not a huge cost to yeah. help help people out. Yeah, and it and it's it you know they they talk about this a lot on the um, in the information packet that they sent to us from support the girls about how you know when a woman chooses to leave her home because she's in a um, if it's because she is in a violent situation um, she tries to pack very secretively she's not going to take everything out from under the sink and from everywhere else and and bring it with that with her she might be doing it at the last minute she's rushing out she's not thinking about bringing everything um and living you know just just like all of us that part of your life your bra and your tampons are a, a private part of your life it's embarrassing to um have to go without that those pieces of you know day-to-day hygiene and and comfort um it's embarrassing to live that way and it's and it's isolating to live that way and it's hard to ask for it. So if a shelter or um, a place of worship or any of these places where, where people are, are seeking shelter um, can have all of that stuff just kind of ready and, and an ample supply of, of tampons and pads and other things like that and it's easy for the women to access it and take it without specifically asking for it, then you're also helping somebody without having the person feel embarrassed taking the charity no and then do you want to do you want to just go over because i know a lot of my friends now are into diva cups Uh and they rave about them Uh um is that something that support the girls would accept or their limitations okay so you have to so right so um you have to think about the access that women who are homeless have to um walk hot enough water to clean things, um, to a sink at all, to a stove to boil water at all, um, they need things that are disposable and that they can take with them on the go and that they don't have to worry about. So it's just going to be, thank you for reminding me, Mm -hmm. it's just going to be the disposable tampons and pads. Mm -hmm. um, They said though that they definitely prefer disposable products, but if somebody were to donate a cup they would find someone who would take it yeah they're not gonna let it go to waste right right definitely the disposable are are preferred right and those are the ones that you're probably gonna find on sale and one of the things they say is like oh maybe the mixed box of tampons was on sale and you never use the supers or you never use the lights grab those out or maybe you bought a box or whatever had a box and you hated the brand no problem. Like, they'll take them, and, and they'd be happy to use them. So think that way. Also, if it's a buy one, get one free, or if it's a you're at Costco and it's a three-pack together, think about getting the two for your – keeping the two for yourself and donating the, the one. Um, it's a really good way to make a local impact to help women, and it's it's not that costly, and it's something you're buying anyway. And you have to think about, like, this is something that I definitely take for granted – like, I complain about it every month, like, stuff, it, I gotta go buy this now. But, like, I can go buy it, and I have some place to put it, and it's not, it's not something I have to worry about, where these women, unfortunately, they're in the situation where 
just doing this would help out a lot and take something off of their plates for the time being. Yeah. Um, oh, and also you can donate, and we can put this link up too, if you wanted to, if you're inspired by the cause and you wanted to donate money in addition to products or you just don't feel like you have any products or you have no need to shop for those products anymore so you don't have extras sitting around your house, that's, you don't have to do that. You could donate money and we can put the link up um, so that you can donate money to them directly. So it's a great good. cause. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. And they're, they seem so on top of things and just, they're I'm, glad to they're have amazing. our support. Yeah. So they're, yeah. They're, and let's, yeah. let's uh, show them that we uh, can, can deliver for sure. That's all I got. Cool. <laughs> uh, we so I think we're going right into our woman of the week, right? Okay, that was quick. I didn't have anything else. Okay, <laughs> on on we're we're quiet on healthcare. Um, probably not for long because Ted Cruz is trying to be a leader. So Ted Cruz is on the case. I'm sure that'll be fun for all of us. <laughs> handle Ted Cruz. <laughs> My favorite description of Ted Cruz comes from John Oliver, where he, or favorite description of Congress, where he describes Congress as 500, 534 people less annoying than Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to go into our woman of the week, Sally Hemings. Yes. So Sally Hemings was the enslaved woman who most likely gave birth to at least six of Thomas Jefferson's children, um, the last of whom was born in 1808. She has been in the news over the past week because archaeologists at Thomas Jefferson's home, Monticello, recently found her slave quarters during an ex excavation, um, which we'll talk about in a bit, but first we're going to talk about who Sally Hemings was, which means we have to talk a little bit about Thomas Jefferson's wife, uh, Martha Wales Skelton Jefferson, uh, who died in 1782, which was about 18 years before Thomas Jefferson became president, for reference for everyone. Thomas Jefferson, apparently, uh, he loved her very much and was very grief-stricken over her death, and upon Martha's wishes, he never married anybody else after. Uh, Martha's father, John, owned uh, Sally's mother. She was a slave for, for John, um, and some historians believe John fathered Sally, potentially making Sally and Martha half-sisters, which is perhaps why Thomas Jefferson was attracted to her there are only uh, four contemporary descriptions of Sally, and all of them focus on her looks. She had light skin, long hair, and was attractive, and, and potentially looked like Martha, according to some, which is creepy. Um, <laughs> um, but that, I guess, was Thomas Jefferson. So, uh, in... 1787, Thomas Jefferson was serving as an American minister to France, um, and he had his daughter, who was eight at the time, join him in France, um, and she was accompanied by Sally when she went um, overseas. 
Jenny Rose is raising her hand. So. How old was Sally when this happened? I was literally oh, just going to say that. <laughs> Sally was just 14 at the time. Um, Thomas Jefferson was 44. Um, so uh, after the trip to France, uh, Sally went back with the Jeffersons to Monticello, where, call it whatever you want, but they had children together. In 1802, uh, the first published accusation or, or rumor about TJ, as I'm going to call him, and Sally was printed in a Richmond, Virginia newspaper. Um, it was written by one of his former allies who no longer liked him. Um, it said that he had for years, quote, kept as his concubine, one of his own slaves, whose name was Sally, and uh, Jefferson had, uh, quote, several children by her. Um, and this was kind of the first time people, like, started widely talking about his... Indiscretion? Yes. Also, I'd like to point out, uh, doesn't concubine mean you get paid and wasn't she, in fact, his slave? Which meant she, she was, in didn't fact, get his paid. slave. <laughs> I think concubines didn't get paid. They just got to live in, like, the palace. I mean, oh. they, were, they were not owned, but I don't think it was also not a great situation either mm. for the concubine. Yeah. Not um, the same as Sally Hemings, so though. You're right. Yeah. So TJ's response to the gossip and rumors um, was actually to not respond at all and not add fuel to the fire. So he kind of just let people continue talking, and I think a little bit to his benefit, um, didn't by not responding, he didn't give weight to those rumors or as much weight as they perhaps might have been given if he had responded or tried to defend himself or something. There's a, an article in Slate about Sally. Um, we'll post a link to it on the website. But there was a quote from it that I really liked. Um, it says, uh, Other, Others, journalists, Thomas Jefferson's enemies, determined how Sally entered the spotlight and they put her there with no real interest in her as a person. Um, which I think is a fair assessment of how she's been treated in history. Over the course of his life, Thomas Jefferson expressed views about black people being biologically and intellectually inferior to white people, uh, which is obviously not true. Um, he, as the author of the Declaration of Independence, of course, chose not to make enslaved people free uh, with that document. Um, and he owned over 600 slaves, or 600 human beings, um, and freed a total of seven people. Um, two while he was living and five in his will. Um, he notably, however, did not free Sally. As I mentioned uh, before, archaeologists at Monticello recently discovered Sally's slave quarters, um, which is an exciting development for people who like history, like me and Jenny Rose and <laughs> Evie, like too. Sally's room, uh, I think it, it's adjacent to it's Thomas a, Jefferson's room? It's, a, it's adjacent and... 
the most heartbreaking yeah. part of it was for me was that it had been turned into a men's bathroom. Yeah, yeah. they turned that's, it. In. <laughs> but it's it's to it's near his like bed yeah. library room. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, they turned into a men's bathroom, which or they extended a men's bathroom, mm-hmm. I think, no. over it. Yeah. Um. So the room is uh small. It's it measures just fourteen feet eight inches wide and thirteen feet long. Um. If you can imagine living in such a small area and it had no windows um so if you've ever vin- visited monticello you you'll know that's quite different from the jefferson living quarters which are big and airy and made use of thomas jefferson's architecture skills but even the whole house has windows yeah even the rooms at the bedrooms upstairs even though they're tiny yeah. Like, I think the linen closet had windows. Yeah. You can, if you walk in, I think there, you, there are windows opposite each other on each mm-hmm. side um, just to make the the house um, brighter and, and more airy. Um, but that was not applied to the slave quarters, um, Sally's or the others um, on the property. And uh, so basically when news outlets were reporting that they had discovered uh, Sally's slave quarters. A few of them uh, got it handed to them after they called Sally uh, Thomas Jefferson's mistress, um, which raised, rightly so, discussions about consent and whether someone who is enslaved could actually consent to sexual relationships or encounters. And I know EB2 has some thoughts on this. I do. Well, I think about there, I, I was just um, trying to look lately, but about the statistics on women specifically, I know 60% of people who are raped in prison, men and women, prisoners raped in prison, are raped by people who work at the prison. Yep. Um, I was trying to look for the specific number of, of women that it is. Um, when you describe them with no windows and someone who... He's 14 years old at the start of a... Yeah, it, it just conjures up an image of, I mean, an imprisoned person mm. who cannot possibly, cannot possibly give consent to have sex with a man who's that old. I mean, we have laws now about statutory rape. Nothing to do mm. with... And, like, you, you don't even... That's taking out the entire the issue part? of enslavement. Yeah. Just the age difference was enough to say she's a child and she cannot consent to that. Let alone the fact that someone owns you and you have no choice but to, mm-hmm. do, but to do what they say. It's yeah, disgusting. Someone who's completely powerless cannot consent... To right. something with someone who is has infinite power over them. Right. I'm right. Like if you imagine the scenario where Sally Hemings somehow gains enough momentum in the day to be able to get out of there, whatever happens, like she has nowhere to go. She has nothing. She's going to be jailed or killed. killed. And even if she did escape that fate, she has no money. She has no way to... M- eat it's basically you're you're basically telling this person if you want to continue to live and you want to continue to eat and you want to continue to live in a sheltered safe environment where you don't have to worry about the cold or the more or any of that then you will have sex with me and if you break it down to that it is of course rape there's no way if we heard that a 14 year old girl was threatened 
with her life, with her safety, with her food and water supply, and said, okay, well, you don't have to have sex with me, but you're going to lose all those things. If and your you children. Don't. And your children and, and your everything children. else. Like, there's no way that we would not call that man a criminal and put him in jail and call him a, not only a rapist, but a pervert. And, I mean, I just, and he's, I don't know, we have a whole freaking UVA worships Thomas Jefferson like he's, the greatest well, guy that ever lived. Didn't he, he found it. he built EVA? Yeah, yeah, but the people who go there now. Oh, and they do. Right. <laughs> I know a lot of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> and, and I think what you said, like the UVA worships him. No offense to UVA. No, UVA is great. You, like, yeah, no, but it, but <laughs> even the media stories romanticize it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. they romanticize it. Yeah, they had and a relationship. They, they had a relationship, and it's like maybe he had a relationship. Right. Maybe in his mind, he was a, a grieving widow, widower, and this was the incarnate of his dead wife. Like that doesn't make it okay. Well, like that from her right. perspective, there, like there was no choice. But the media romanticized it. But if you go there, if you go to Monticello, they don't romanticize it. Right. They say he owned her. She was probably his. His wife's half-sister, she probably looked like him, and she probably had six of his children, if not more. Yeah. Like, they don't romanticize it, so historians aren't. Why is the media? But it's, like, part of sexualizing women and sexualizing minority women, and, like, isn't this such a steamy story? Like, his wife died, and he found love with this young girl, and, like, they can frame it that... And, like, look at what you... Look at... Well, you. Look at what you were saying... (laughs) No one can see who I'm pointing to anyway. <laughs> Look at what you were saying about that time that nobody gives a shit that this is happening mm-hmm. until he becomes their enemy. And then yeah. they're like, oh, Thomas Jefferson yeah. had a relationship with a young slave. Like, where were you when he was having the relationship with the young slave? And the right? problem probably wasn't even the age. No. It was probably the fact yeah. that she was the slave. Yeah. Like, And there's like a... I don't know if I want to say cognitive dissonance. Like, yes, he's a founding father. Yes, he wrote the Declaration of Independence. Yes, he was a smart guy. He was also kind of a dick. Yeah. Like, there are accounts where he purposely left women out of the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. He purposely left slaves out. Like, it yeah. wasn't just like, and eh, we'll get to it later. It was, no, I don't think women should have the right to vote. No, I think we need to keep, keep the whole slave trade going because, you know, I got a big farm we got to take care of. Like, right. it, it wasn't... Well, they didn't even count them, right? When they wrote the amendment about the census, it was yeah, it, it was, was a, all men and all free men and three quarters of yeah, all yeah. other men were count like counted as people. Yeah, men and then three quarters. Three fifths. It was three fifths. Three fifths. Oh, three fifths. Yes, three fifths. Ugh. Three quarters yeah. would have been too much. Ooh, too many. Yeah. I just and you like. Well, I think that's part of it. Also, is why it gets. Uh, washed over in the media is because Thomas Jefferson is Thomas Jefferson. And it's the same thing with people like Bill Cosby or whoever. They're a famous person. And so people like them for whatever they did. And they don't want to believe that that person did something bad. Yeah. Or even in the modern terms, they're making them money. Like, did anybody care what a scumbag Donald Trump was when he was running the apprentice i mean like in the media care what a 
I mean, no, people, everyone loved him. People in New no. York, especially in the entertainment world, especially in the media world, yeah, it was funny. knew what a jerk he was. Atlantic City. Yeah. Yeah. They knew what an asshole he was, and they didn't care because he was doing The Apprentice, and he was making money for the for NBC, and he was doing... Like, and it was a gimmick. Yeah. And it was, yeah. Right. And I, I don't know. I don't know if you can feign outrage at something when you knew about it already and mm-hmm. didn't... And just kind of pretended like it didn't matter, or, or pretended like you... Or actually, right. maybe, maybe to you it didn't matter, and you didn't care, and now you're pretending like you do because everybody's found out about it. It just... Yeah, and I mean, it, yeah. it's like the Declaration of Independence, an important thing in the history of this country. Sure. And you can have that, and you can say, okay, Thomas Jefferson wrote that, and he was a really smart guy, and at the same time, you could acknowledge he was a child rapist. Yeah. Like, you can, like, yeah. it's not going to shake the foundation of America. Right. You know, like, it's like Christopher Columbus. There's a lot of blowback on celebrating Columbus Day yeah. because of the murder of hundreds of thousands of indigenous people. Yeah. like doesn't change the fact that what they did changed the course of history. Yeah. We just need we can to... can acknowledge them for being bad people. We can acknowledge them for being bad people, and we can acknowledge the truth of what happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sally Hemings lived probably not a happy life, yeah. and we do a disservice to her memory by saying... She was his mistress, and look, she lives so close to his bedroom, and that meant she, that means she meant something to him. No, he didn't it means he, her. he wanted easy access. Yeah. That's what it meant. Like it yeah. was, it was too much of an effort for him to say, "Go get somebody from the slave quarters that were, you know, two hundred feet away." Like yeah. we need to just say what it is and yeah. not romanticize it. Yeah. She clearly didn't mean enough to him to get freed. Right. Right. And what we were talking about earlier where, you know, a lot of the founding fathers owned slaves. George Washington owned slaves. But George Washington freed a hell of a lot more slaves than Thomas Jefferson did. And he, I think in his will, he left it where when he died, certain slaves got to go free and he gave them money. He, He gave them means to start a life. And then when Martha was going to die, once she died, the rest of them were gone again with money. So there's... They all slaves. They were all to degree, not awesome people, but they're still a gradient. Yeah, yeah, and well, and you have to know about them. Yeah, it's just gross to lie about them. Yes, right. I mean, like, yeah, yeah you have to know about it. Are there any? I'm I'm ignorant on this. Are there any monuments to Sally Hemings in not Virginia? That, not that I know of. No, not that I don't remember. In in Monticello. There's a part where you walk through, and it's, and that's where they talk about her. Mm-hmm. It's like this, the the little like slave row or whatever they call it. Yeah, but there there's the other part where they have all the furniture, and I don't think it's the main house. There's another house, and it's not slave row, but there's another house where they they talk about her, mm-hmm. and there's like a. Because they talk about his letters and and all this. Mm-hmm. It's been like two years. Yeah, I was just wondering because I ho- I mean I hope it will I hope that the room when they they're gonna excavate it that yeah. yeah that it'll that it'll serve as a monument to her and her life and and what she was willing to yeah. or unwilling to do but had to do <laughs> as an enslaved uh, rape victim. Mm-hmm. Somewhere a while ago, I think I read something that only 11% of 
statues and or monuments in the U.S. are uh, of women or dedicated to women. I think it's 11%. That's, a, that's, like that. that's a high number from what I would have expected. But I was, I did it, this is um, kind of off topic, but on, on, on that, I did a scavenger hunt in D.C. once. And one of the things on the scavenger hunt was to, you know, take a picture with a monument to a woman. And it was like impossible to go in the capital. Yeah, Here's you have to go. You have to, well, you know what? No, there's um, Isabella, Hill. Queen Queen Isabel, out oh. downtown, like by C Street, like near the White House, kind of. There's like a Spanish. It's not the Spanish embassy, but it's some kind of Spanish American whatever center. There's Queen Isabella there. I think, and I'm gonna see if I can Google it and talk at the same time. But Meridian Hill Park, which is more commonly known as Malcolm X Park. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I feel like there's a statue of a woman on a horse there hmm. at the top. And it's a, it's gorgeous. It's got the longest man-made waterfall in the country, but there's two parts. There's a waterfall and then there's like the park and they have drum circles there and it's super cool. They had a lot of civil rights, um, speeches there, hence why it's called Malcolm X Park. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a statue of a woman on a horse. Okay. Because I think when we were, we had our engagement pictures taken there. And that was like, we were walking around and we were looking and that was one of the super cool things about that place. Yeah, that is cool. I wonder if there are any in Maryland. I'm going to find out for the next podcast. The Harriet Tubman National Park just opened. Yeah. Recently. Ooh, where's that? Yeah. Eastern Shore somewhere, I think. It's, there's also like a byway where you can get an audio tour and listen. Like travel. Yeah, the underground. Oh. Yeah. Um, Joan of Arc is at Meridian Hill Park. Oh, okay. Oh. All right, anything else for this week? No, I'm going to I'm gonna go do some more. Um, this conversation has inspired me to do some more reading. I'm going to read up before the next one on monuments. Okay. I am going to do the same. And maybe brace yourself for what health care is coming our way. I, brace I'm going to go. Tim is our health care expert. <laughs> I might go bury my head in my my new revolutionary war women book. Yeah, good idea. Oh, yeah, I'm, um, okay, so hopefully we'll see everybody at the happy hour. Yes, July 19th. come to the happy hour. We'll Please. remind you again, don't worry. Yes. yes. <laughs> and also, um, our next chapter meeting, uh, or our August chapter meeting, is going to be on August 9th. And our August happy hour is going to be on the 16th. Um, so we'll keep you updated on locations for those. But July 19th at... Poor house in downtown Crown. And where can they find that info online if they were looking oh, for the, it? Oh, yes. You can go to our website. <laughs> Every week I forget about this. mcmdnow.org. Uh, MC for Montgomery County. MD for Maryland. Now for National Organization for Women. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at mcmdnow. Okay. So we'll see you at happy hour and on social media. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.